from John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, and you can find it on page 1109 of Sun Church Bibles. John, chapter 1, verses 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light, He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. This is God's word. Thank you, uh, Kathy. Please keep uh, that uh, section of the Bible open before you. That's where we'll uh, be this morning. My name is Jesse. If I haven't met you, it's good to uh, see you here this morning. Um, let's come to our God and uh, ask for his help as we deal with this passage. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it gives light and life. We thank you that you truly have spoken to us and we pray that we would hear. We pray that our ears would be open, that our eyes would be open that our hearts will be open to receive all that you have for us this morning. Please speak through me, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. One day last year, Beck and I, my wife and I, got home around 6.30 from church and one of our neighbours at the college, at the Presbyterian College, was outside. We stopped to talk to her and all three of us were transfixed by the moon. It was behind some clouds, it was huge and it was radiating orange. 
we were wondering if uh, it was because of the fires in Western Australia that even that far away they had changed the colour of the moon. As we stared at the moon, our eyes started to sting a bit. So we were thinking maybe the fires were even making the moon look as if it was on fire itself. It took us a few minutes, but eventually we worked it out. The moon was actually the sun. We had been staring at the sun, making our eyes sore, and we didn't even recognise it. The cloud had given enough cover that we couldn't even recognise the sun. But there's an even more ridiculous yet true story that John tells us here. It's the story of a world that doesn't know its maker. It's the story of a world that has rejected its maker, even though he gives life and light and came to reveal God to us. John 1 verses 1 to 18 is a rich passage, but it's not just rich, it's useful. It tears away the clouds that block our view and show us who Jesus really is. This passage should leave us with a profound sense of awe and wonder. It tells us who Jesus really is. Its message is that Jesus reveals the invisible God. We can divide how John describes Jesus into three points. In verses 1 to 5, Jesus is the God of creation. In verses 6 to 13, he is the God of recreation. And in verses 14 to 18, he is the God of revelation. Jesus is the God of creation. He's the eternal God who made us. He's the God of recreation. He entered our world. He came to us so that those who received him would be remade, recreated to become children of God. And he's the God of revelation. Through Jesus' words and works, we know the Father. Jesus reveals the invisible God. Let's have a look at verses 1 to 5. Jesus is the God of creation. Verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Even if you've only picked up the Bible once in your life, chances are those words are strangely familiar to you. John echoes the very first words of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John starts his gospel much earlier than the other gospels start. He starts at the very beginning, in eternity. In the beginning, the word already existed. There was no beginning for the word because he was already there in the beginning. He is eternal. But John doesn't just say Jesus is eternal and leave it at that. He goes on. The word was with God and the word was God. These are wonderfully strange words, aren't they? The word, Jesus, is with God and yet is God. 
He's God and yet he's distinct from him, he's different from him. It's a strange idea and no other religion has it. It's only in the Bible that you'll find this idea that God is both one and not one. Jesus is God. He does the things that only God has the power to do. He says the things that only God has the authority to say and yet he prays to the Father. He obeys the Father. Later on in John we discover someone else like this. We discover that there's also the Spirit and so the Bible proclaims that God is both one and yet three. One in essence, in godness, if you like, but three distinct persons existing from eternity, bound together in perfect love for one another, in perfect unity. It's a really hard thing to understand, isn't it? And so people have come up with some ways to try and illustrate the Trinity. Some say that God is like water. It comes in three forms, ice, water, steam. Others use a triangle. You've got three different sides for the one shape. Or an egg, it's made up of shell, the white and the yolk. And others use the sun. You have the star and then you've got the light and the heat that come from it. They all sound good at first. But none of them really work to describe the Trinity, to describe who God is, because God isn't like water, because you don't get water, ice and steam at the same time. Ice becomes water, which becomes steam, but the Father doesn't become the Son and he doesn't become the Spirit. The triangle and the egg don't work because that would mean that Jesus is only one third of God, that the Father is only one third of God, just like each side is only one third of a triangle. It just doesn't work. And the sun illustration doesn't work because like light and heat come from the star, the the sun and the spirit don't come from the Father. It would mean that the Father created the sun and the spirit to, to go from him. None of these illustrations work and we shouldn't use them. But it shouldn't surprise us or worry us that we can't find something to describe God because there's no one like God. There's nothing like God. All we can do is trust what God has to say about himself. He is one and he is three. And so in this very first verse we're confronted with the wonderful reality that our God is Trinity and that Jesus is one of the three. He is God. And we also see that he is creator. Verse 3, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Again, this brings us back to Genesis 1. God was there in the beginning. His spirit was hovering over the waters and into the silence. Into the darkness, God said, let there be light. And there was light. God created with a word. Jesus was the one through whom God the Father made all things. 
And this verse really wants to emphasise that. In the first half it says that he made everything and then in the second it says that there wasn't anything that was created that wasn't created by him. So there's no exception. If it was created, it was the word, Jesus, who created it. Most of the people in our world don't believe this, do they? You could be one of them this morning. Or maybe you're here and you've heard their arguments. There are groups like the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons who believe that Jesus was a powerful being but is a created being. So if that's you or if you've heard their arguments before, let me encourage you to look at verses 1 to 3 again. Because not only does it say that Jesus is eternal, but it says that all things were made by Jesus. He can't be a created thing because otherwise he would have needed to create himself, which just doesn't make sense. It can't work. For these verses to be true, Jesus needs to be uncreated. He needs to be God. But maybe you're not religious at all. Maybe you don't think there is any God. Maybe you've been convinced by the atheists who uh, say that we don't need a creator. But believing that the universe could exist without a God is to say that the universe created itself. You just can't get around the logic that if something had a beginning, then someone had to start it. Something had to start it. And so if that someone or something made you, then you have a duty to try and work out who that is, don't you? To, to see if they, if they have a demand on you, if they want you to do something. Don't, don't shut your eyes to this truth. Explore it. But for those of us who believe these verses in all their complexity, let me encourage you first to keep believing them, to rejoice in them. Our God is Trinity. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that just blow your mind? Who would make this up? We can stand in wonder at our God because our God is Trinity. There is none like him. No one else has even conceived of a God like this. For some of us, we've lost the sense of awe that should come from God being Trinity. It's become normal to us. But we should never take this for granted. 2,000 years of Christian history and discussion about God being Trinity should shouldn't make it normal to us. It should continue to amaze us, especially as we realise that we're going to be spending our eternity with this God, continually growing in our knowledge of him and never coming to the end of him. There will always be something to discover about God, even in eternity. He is infinite. We will never fully understand what it means that God is Trinity and that should amaze us. Does it amaze you? Verses 4 and 5, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. People in the darkness of their minds refuse to see Jesus 
for who he really is. The God of creation. The God who reveals the invisible God. And this dark refusal to know or accept Jesus leads us to the next point in verses 6 to 13. Jesus is the God of recreation. Verse 6, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. Belief. That's the reason that God sent John the Baptist. It's the reason for John's gospel as a whole. John, that's John the disciple, not John the Baptist, says in chapter 20, verse 31, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. Because it's only by believing in Jesus that the people of this dark, rebellious world, this sinful world, will have life. Because Jesus is the God of recreation. But the tragedy is that so many people refuse to listen. Despite God sending prophet after prophet who told the people that Jesus was coming, despite sending John the Baptist to prepare the way, to prepare the people, despite Jesus himself coming, they refuse to believe. Even though, verse 10, the world was made by him, even though, verse 11, the Jews were his special people, they refused to see. They rejected him. The light came and they refused him. A few months ago now, I think, I was sleeping soundly in bed at night when for some reason my four-year-old son decided to get out of bed, come to our room and turn the light on. I was not happy that the light had been turned on, that it had intruded into the darkness. I liked the darkness. I wanted to sleep. And suddenly the light was blinding me burning my eyes that were accustomed to the light. I rejected the light because of my desire for sleep. That's why I rejected the light. But why did the world reject the light? Why did Jesus' people reject the light? Why would his own people reject him? John tells us in uh, John chapter 3, verse 19 to 20, this is the verdict Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. The world rejects him because they love doing evil. Our friends and our family don't reject him simply because they don't have enough information about him. They don't want to know the holy God that Jesus has come to reveal. That's not how I naturally think and maybe it's not how you naturally think because I'm tempted to think that I can convince someone to become a Christian, that I can put up enough good evidence enough good arguments to convince someone that Jesus really existed firstly but then also that he was the son of God. 
Or maybe you're here and you're not a Christian and you think that you are willing for someone to convince you, it's just that they haven't yet. But Jesus says that we're both wrong. While it's important for me to give uh, reasons and, and evidence and arguments, someone doesn't become a Christian by my arguments. People are in darkness and they don't want to see the light. And maybe that's true of you here. You don't want to see the light and receive Jesus, even subconsciously, even if you're not aware of it. Of course, before someone can receive Jesus, they need to know about him, don't they? We do need to present information and reasons and if you've come here to find out about Jesus, well, you're more than welcome. Please do hang around, please do ask questions. Read John's Gospel. It was written to encourage you to believe in Jesus. But even when you have enough information, you still won't want to receive Jesus and leave the darkness, not on your own. But there is hope. Verse 12, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, Children born not of natural descent, nor of nor a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Most people do reject the light, but there are blessed exceptions. Verse 12 says it's, that it's those who receive Jesus. He's the God of recreation. He's the God you need to trust. Only by believing in him can you be remade, can you be recreated to become children of God. If you haven't received Jesus, let me urge you to do it. Don't assume that because you've been coming to church all your life that you're fine. Don't hold on to your sin anymore. Don't hold on to the right to do whatever you want. Don't stay in the darkness. Walk into the light. It will be painful at first. It will be like walking from a pitch black room into one that's blazing full of light. You'll be squinting, unable to bear it all right away. All the bad things you've done and said will be laid bare. But Jesus doesn't expose our sin to rub our faces in it. He does it so that we can repent, so that we can find forgiveness. So become a child of God. Receive Jesus. Turn from sin. Submit to him as your Lord and as your God. And if you've already done that, rejoice. Rejoice that you're not in darkness. That Jesus is the Lord and God of your life. Praise him for this miracle that he has done in you. He has remade you. He has taken you from darkness and brought you into the light. He has remade you into God's child. But also, pray. Pray for your friends and your family, your workmates, your your neighbours. They are in darkness and they love their sin. Seek ways to practically love them, absolutely. Seek ways to have spiritual conversations with them. But pray. Because unless the Spirit of God is working in their hearts, 
they will not believe. They will not want to turn from the darkness. Pray that they would believe in Jesus. Pray that they would grow to hate the darkness and love Jesus. Pray that Jesus would remake them, that he would recreate them. Jesus is the God of creation. He made us. He's also the God of recreation. If we receive him, we walk out of darkness and into light. And he's also the God of revelation, verses 14 to 18. And that's the main point of this passage. Jesus reveals the invisible God. He can reveal the invisible God because he's the God of creation. And he recreates people first by revealing God to them. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The God who made us, who made this world, became a part of this world. The infinite one became finite, he became flesh and he dwelled among us. God dwelling with us is what all of the Old Testament anticipated. The Bible starts with God dwelling with his people and then they sinned and so they were cast away from him. And then later he made for himself a new kingdom and he gave the Israelites detailed instructions for building a tent called the tabernacle which would be in the middle of their camp where God would dwell. But it was only symbolic. It was only symbolic of God dwelling with his people. Solomon knew that when he built the temple which replaced the tabernacle. He says in his prayer in 1 Kings 8 verse 27, the heavens... Even the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I have built. God didn't really dwell in the tabernacle or the temple. They were symbols showing the people that that, that God was with them and loved them and was for them, that that they could have relationship with him and and worship him. But in John 1.14 it says that the word became flesh. The second person of the Trinity really did walk among us. God wasn't just here symbolically, he really was here. The second person of the Trinity really was born. He really was named Jesus and in his humanity he really did die and rise again. And in verse 14, John says that he and the other disciples saw him, really did see him. They saw him perform miracles and reveal his glory and tell them the truth about heavenly things. But why did he come? Why did he do this? There's a lot of different ways that we could answer that question, but one of them is in verse 18. No one has ever seen God But God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Jesus is the God of revelation. Jesus reveals the invisible God. That's why he came, to show us the Father. Have you ever walked into a room at night to just quickly pick something up and not turn the light on? 
You thought you knew exactly where that thing was. So you didn't bother switching the light on, you just walked in and you put your hand where you thought it was. It's not there. Start patting around blindly trying to find it and eventually you just give up, you go back to the door, you go back to the light switch, you turn it on. You need the light to find what you're looking for. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to turn the light on, to shine the light on God because without Jesus, we don't know where to find God. Actually, even worse, we don't even know what God looks like. We have no idea what God looks like and so we invent a God of our own. People say things like, oh, I could never believe in a God who does things like that, who thinks that. We invent a God who likes, who thinks like we do, who loves what we love and and hates what we hate because we don't actually know who God is. And so the eternal God, the second person of the Trinity, became flesh. And because he's so intimately united and connected with the Father, Jesus' words and actions show us what the Father is like. Through Jesus, we learn what the Father loves and hates. We learn about his power and his plans. Even though we've never seen the Father because he's invisible, we can know him because Jesus reveals the invisible God. He's the God of revelation. And so will we listen to Jesus? Will we learn from him what God is like? Again, if you're not a Christian, are you willing to explore what Jesus taught about God? In these verses, John makes some big claims about God, but this is just the start of his book. Are you willing to read to the end? Don't stay comfortable in the darkness. Read and encounter the true and living God. But if you're already a Christian, this is just as important for you. Does your view of God line up, match up with what Jesus has revealed? If we want to know God, to really know God, we can't trust our instincts or our own uh, natural thoughts or beliefs. We need to look to Jesus. He's the God who became flesh to reveal the Father. He's the God of revelation and so we need to listen to him. And again, we should also rejoice and praise Jesus. In Jesus... God came to us. He revealed himself when we couldn't find him on our own. This is grace. Who would have ever thought that the eternal God would become flesh, that he would want us to know him that badly? This is glorious news. Jesus is the God of revelation. He came into this world to reveal the invisible God. No longer is God out there in the distance. He's not far off. He's come close. He knows what it's like to live a human life. He suffered in his own flesh the punishment for our sin. Even if there's only one thing that Jesus has revealed about God, surely is that he loves us. Why else would the Father give his own son for us? 
Why else would Jesus be willing to suffer for us? Jesus reveals God to us and what a God he has shown. This beginning to John's Gospel is a rich description of who Jesus is and what he came to do. After reading it, our view of Jesus should be clearer. The clouds should have been torn away so that the glory of the sun can be seen. So much more could be said. We could slow down, we could go slower through these verses and dig up some amazing treasure. But for now, let's just be in awe at who our God is, in awe that our God loves us. Jesus is eternal. He is part of the Trinity and he is our creator. He was rejected by the world who were in darkness but still he remakes people to be made children of God. He became flesh to show us the Father. Jesus reveals the invisible God. He's turned the light on while we were in darkness. Are you in awe at this God? Can you rejoice that he is your God? Do you believe? Let's pray. Our God, how wonderful you are to send us your Son. How glorious you are that you are Trinity. How incredible it is that you would love us and send your Son in the flesh. Our God, let our hearts hear this and know this and trust this. In Jesus' name. Amen.